0: Welcome, welcome to the Pixels and Perspectives podcast. As always, I'm your host Dan, and this week we're going to jump right into it by talking about the biggest game in a long time. It's Palworlds. Now, this one (laughs) sort of came out of nowhere, and it's very much like gained this meme status of, Oh, it's Pokemon, but with guns. And that kind of was like the narrative before release. Now, this game came to my attention because it was going to Game Pass. And of course, Mr. Game Pass Gary over here. I, I keep I keep up with it, you know. I, I dabble in all things Game Pass. So, yeah, I remember watching the trailer for this one. And it was very apparent it did take a lot of inspiration from Pokemon. Now, being a big, massive Pokemon fan, like myself... I was a little bit skeptical because I've seen these sort of like copycat games in the past and I've seen them fail spectacularly. I know a lot of like mobile games try to emulate the formula of Pokemon. In particular, the one that like stands out to me is this little game called Temtem, which is pretty much a Pokemon clone. I've not played this one, but yeah, I was very, very skeptical about Pal World. And then it's just sort of like come out and just exploded onto the internet like it's one of those games that went super viral you've got all the streamers playing it and everybody is talking about it whether it be the AI inspired like designs that have kind of ripped certain specific aspects from existing Pokemon such as um, Galarian Meowth I I believe one of the Palworld creatures has the exact same face as Galarian Meowth. and there's big Twitter threads on it. You can go and like have a look and see the design inspirations, allegedly. Because I'm not going to sit here and say that they've, they've definitely stole it, because I don't want to get sued. So this is all, this is all like alleged behavior. Anyway, you can, yeah, you can go on, you can see the the inspiration that Palworld has taken from Pokemon and translated it into this game which I have now played after downloading it and not jumping on it after like a week because when it initially dropped and it exploded you had the the images on Twitter it sold 2 million in 12 hours it sold 4 million copies in 48 hours or whatever it may be I think at the time of recording it's currently sold 6 million copies and That is just insane. For a little game that didn't really have a lot of pre-release press, I would say. I mean, Game Pass definitely gave it that, like, initial boost to, like, the public consciousness. But, yeah, a lot of people kind of wrote the game off before it came out because it was this Pokemon clone. And after playing the game, I'm gonna say, up top, like, I am not into survival games. I don't really, like... The whole aspect of the point of the game is to just survive, do your own thing, make your own fun. And I didn't realize that Pal World was going to be this sort of game. I thought, like I bought into the, the the whole Pokemon with guns hype, and I thought this game was literally going to be like a clone of, say, Pokemon Legends Arceus, because it looked very similar in the sense that, like, the the pals follow you around and stuff like that, and you've got to collect resources and craft your own, like, Pokeball things So, yeah, I was very much like, I'm gonna download this on Game Pass, I'm gonna give it a go. But once the initial, like, hype exploded, it kind of made me, like, apprehensive to a point. Because I didn't want to buy into that, because it's one of those games that you can get sucked up into, and the memes just write themselves. You've got these little cutesy creatures with shotguns, machine guns, and all that sort of thing. And that's been, like, the main draw. But, yeah, I did give it a go, and... Believe it or not, I actually love this this game. It's hilarious because, like I said, I'm not into these sort of survival mechanic-based games where you have to, like, craft your own little, like, village and build things up from, like, the ground up. But for some reason, this game just grabbed me, like, straight away. It starts off very, very slow because you've got to basically, like, mine four resources and then change those resources into... Crafting tables, like you can build a fire pit, you can build a little house, a bed, and all that sort of stuff. Like it's very much a survival game, which I wasn't expecting going into it because I was aware that the game did have these sort of like survival elements. And I think that's what initially like put me off trying it straight away because again, I've bounced off these sort of games in the past and it was kind of the same thing with Lego Fortnite. It's, it has that same sort of vibe. Like you've got to, Go out there, scavenge for resources. And the point of the game is to basically just survive and have your own fun and create your own fun without a solid objective as you would find in like a linear game. So yeah, I started it and immediately got hooked in. And it's one of those games where you can just sit and put hours and hours and hours into it without really thinking about it because you've got that ever-growing, like, fire inside your own, like, body of wanting to expand and capture more creatures and explore more of this world. Now, it's it's by no means a perfect game. Like, I'll be the first person to admit that. It's really, really janky, and I do believe it's still currently in beta on Xbox, and I know there's just been a patch release that's fixed certain issues, but yeah, it's so weird that like that this sort of game has captured me. Because again, I can't stress enough, it's not my sort of game at all. The creature collecting aspect of it is just a tiny little, like, thing in the background. The main, like, focus and meat of the game are these survival type elements. And I know you can play this one in co-op as well, and I very much want to give it a try with somebody else because co-op always enhances a game. I don't care what game it is. If you're playing with your friends, it you can make a laugh out of anything. And I think Pal World would be a great example of that because some insane stuff happens. You can catch this little, like, level two sheep. You can traverse the area a little bit with this sheep, level it up a little bit. And then I remember running into this, like deer looking thing and it was like level 11 I believe and at this point my character was level 10 and my little sheep was like level 12 so I just throw my my pokeball thing out my my pal ball sorry copyright don't want to get sued again I throw my pal world ball out tell my sheep to attack this big deer looking thing it's like a big blue like colorful powerful looking thing and my sheep goes Attacks, it does this little roll animation and literally gets instantly one shot by it. Then the deer gets pissed, it runs at me, kills me in two hits, and I've got to go back to my base and lick my wounds. (laughs) But like doing stuff like that in co op, I think, where you can have a laugh with your friends would just make the game so much better. Now, as far as positives go, again, it does take things from Pokemon, but I think it takes like the best aspects of that, like sort of genre because, again, you can collect these little monsters. Some are cute, some are terrifying, but, like, you can form a bond with them and take that throughout your journey of this weird mystical land. And what I did do when I initially started was I turned the XP gain up slightly because you can, like, alter your world modifiers. And I think that was a very, like, big aspect of Pokemon. The old Pokemon stuff that I didn't enjoy was, like, the grinding. So... I tweaked that a little bit, so it's, it's a little bit easier to level up and get XP for my pals, because there's so many of them, it's nice to alternate between which ones you're using. I can't actually physically remember any of the names, and I think that shows you just how, like, on the edge of not being great this game is, but for some reason, I can't quite... Put my finger on it, I really, really click with this game. And I think this is the reason why it's blown up as much as it has. Obviously, the, the meme aspect of the game can only take you so far. Look at like Fall Guys and Among Us. Those were big, giant games that exploded overnight. Granted, it was during the pandemic and it was a little bit of a different time. But they were these big, meme-worthy, content-formable games in a way. And I think Pal World very much hits that, like, target of being one of these games. Like, I can't see anybody really talking about this game in six months' time. Maybe I'll be wrong, but, like, the jankiness of it kind of lends to its charm a little bit. And it's monotonous, it is, but it's fun. And I think that's a big thing that the Pokemon games are missing these days. There's an element of challenge. And the game gives you like a little tutorial but as far as that goes you're kind of just left to your own devices and you have to sort of figure it out for yourself. Whereas if you were to play Pokemon Scarlet or Pokemon Sword one of the latest releases on the Switch the whole thing is very much like a hand experience and you're kind of guided through the whole thing and it kind of becomes just like an A button mashing simulator. You've got all the story beats happening and all that. But like when you really think about it with like the XP share and all that sort of stuff, now it's so, so easy and I get it. It's a kid's game. It's not meant to be hard. You can impose your own challenges. You can like doing nuzlocks and stuff like that. But as far as the actual game goes, I'd say it's funner than Pokemon Scarlet, like hands down, because it's a little bit different. And as much as Pokemon Scarlet, like, tries to say, oh, it's an open world and all that, it's the same old formula in a way because you can't tackle the gyms in a different order to what the game wants you to because there's no level scaling. And yeah, Pokemon has gotten very stale and Legends Arceus was kind of a push in the right direction in terms of changing things up. But again, Scarlet Violet came out and it just took the, the franchise back two steps. So, yeah, I don't really think that PAL World is super comparable to Pokemon in a sense that the gameplay, like Loop, is completely different. And people who are saying, oh, Game Freak has to worry, they've got competition now. I think that's a little bit silly because, again, Pokemon is the biggest franchise in the world. And Game Freak, Nintendo, whilst they may come after PAL World with these allegations of copyright infringement, I don't think they're worried as far as the game goes, because, yeah, it's it's Pokemon at the end of the day. Nothing is going to, like, defeat this giant behemoth of a franchise, and they can continue to release subpar mediocre games year after year, and people are going to buy them, and I'm very much guilty of this myself. I'll buy Pokemon every single year. I'll buy the DLC because I'm a fan of the franchise, and it hits the nostalgia, and I know it sucks, and as much as James Douse would be disappointed in me, as he is every year, It's just one of those things. It's one of those franchises that is deep-rooted into my childhood and I will continue to play and support as long as they keep making the games. And that's just very, like, consumerist and not really a great take. But, alas, it it is what it is. I enjoy Pokemon, I enjoy the franchise, and I'm going to keep buying those games. But that's the thing, like, back to Palworld, it's very much (laughs) on the edge of being a companion to Pokemon. I I wouldn't necessarily say it's a rival to Pokemon because, again, it's the juggernaut of a franchise compared to this little game that's just blew up in, like, mean popularity because you can get a Pikachu-looking character with a gun. (laughs) And that's the thing. It, It keeps going back to it's Pokemon with guns, but it very much, in my opinion, isn't that. Yes, you can get guns, and yes, the little creatures are very much like Pokemon, maybe too much, but... The actual gameplay, like, when it comes down to the the meat and potatoes of the gameplay, it's it's very different, and I don't really think you can compare the two that much. But some of the issues I have with Palworld, like, on a technical and gameplay, like, level, I think, yes, it's very janky. <laughs> and like I said, it is in beta, I believe, so maybe this will continue to improve. But, like, trying to climb up a ledge, your character will just, like, glitch out and just... It, it, It seems a bit weird and it does really throw a lot at you at the start in terms of you have to build this, you have to build this, you have to keep your Pokemon fed, your food will go bad if you don't consume it quick enough. You have to use a pickaxe to mine rock, you have to use a different sort of tool to mine wood faster and it does start off very slow and it can be a little bit overwhelming but... Once you get like the hang of the game and you come to grips with the systems, they kind of all work in unison with each other. Because at the start, like you've got to mine, say, 20 wood to create this workbench and you don't have a mining tool. So you've got to use your fists and it takes 10 minutes to get this 20 wood. But then as you progress, you unlock different things. You can level up your character. You can carry more resources, which is what I was like putting all my skill points into at the start was upgrading my weight capacity. So I could carry more rock and more wood. But you can then farm 20 wood in two seconds because you've got these better tools. So it feels like the sense of progression is good as far as where I'm up to in the, the actual game itself. I'm not super far into it, but... I do plan on playing a hell of a lot more of it because it's yeah, it's fun. And I can't see myself getting tired that quickly with it, which is a big thing that me and Ads talked about last week was with all these new games coming out, you have to be grabbed by a game in order to justify spending your time in it. And I think Pal World has done that. Whereas a game that I bought last week, Sonic Superstars, paid £30 for it from Amazon, and I just cannot get my head around this game. So, so yeah, I'll I'll move on from Palworld. I will just say that it has the potential to be a very good game and I hope that this whole like meme status doesn't kind of kill the game off to an extent because I know a lot of people are like only playing it because it's the the big new game, the big new viral hit. So yeah, we'll have to wait and see like how this game progresses and how the the media coverage and Sort of like culture surrounding this game evolves over time because it's been an interesting prospect just sitting back and watching this all unfolds, like on Twitter and YouTube and all that sort of stuff. Just seeing how this game has came out, exploded, and how now it's sort of evolving over the, the course of how how many days it's been out. But yeah, Palworld, I would recommend it. I think if you've got Game Pass, you might as well give it a try, because if anything, it just, it piques your curiosity. And I think that's what it did with me. And yeah, it turned out that it's very much up my alley and I'm having a good time with it. And it's it's just fun. But moving on to Sonic Superstars, like I mentioned earlier, I got this last week and I really wanted to love it, but uh, I just can't, I just can't click with it. It seems as though all of the like gameplay and design choices is just going like out of its way to work against you, the player. And I've not really, like, dabbled in the other characters. I've mainly been playing as Sonic, so I can't, like, speak to how Tails or Knuckles or Amy plays. But as, like, a big Sonic fan, I very much prefer the 3D Sonic games, like the older-style ones, like Sonic Adventure 1 and 2, Sonic Heroes and all that. But, like, I do have a soft spot for the original Sonic games and even Sonic 4, to an extent. Like, I enjoyed Sonic 4, Part 1 and 2. But, yeah, the, the level design in particular in Sonic Superstars is just bad. And like I said, it it just feels like everything is working against you in terms of how you would play the game as Sonic. Because when you think of Sonic, you think of speed. And you would assume that the levels would sort of facilitate this sense of speed and would sort of guide you into using your speed as a means to progress through the levels whilst also providing a little bit of a challenge so it's not just like an on the rails runner type thing which is what the original games did so well you can kind of like take various routes you can go like the high route which tends to be the speed focused route and or you could go like the low route which Tends to have more enemies, spikes, and all that sort of thing. And this is present in Sonic Superstars. But just something about the level design just feels like it's working against you. Because as you gather momentum, you'll end up hitting a wall in terms of... Like, it could very well be a physical wall where you have to then use these vines to swing up and kind of control this janky version of, like, Sonic Spinball, in a way, because you've got to get from one vine to the other, but it doesn't really control that well in the air, which is a, an issue I had on that particular level, the jungle level. Or there'll be a, a gimmicky set piece where, I think, in one of the casino levels, there's, like, a train-type thing that you have to jump on. Now, this thing, it's it starts off like a roller coaster, it does a little countdown, and then... It goes green and it begins to move across the screen. And what I tried to figure out was, okay, how are the physics going to work when you're on top of this thing? If you jump because you're not going as fast as it, will you then just like fly off it? But then you don't actually do that. But if you get hit, that sort of stops the momentum and the train keeps going, but you just fall off. And there's different enemy types there to... this to you they've got like spikes on so you can't jump on them straight away and it just it's not really fun to play which is a huge shame because it's kind of going back to its roots in a sense but it's not doing it well in my opinion and then along with like the the feeling of levels and enemies and all that sort of stuff working against you and working against what sonic fundamentally is in my opinion You have different versions of collecting 50 rings and going into like various special stages. So there's obviously the Chaos Emerald stages where if you jump through the big gold rings, you you come to the the Chaos Emerald minigame where you have to like swing around the arena and catch the emerald, which is fine in itself, but it's not as good as say like a Sonic Rush where you're boosting around, you've got to collect the rings and you're on a time limit and all that. But it's not super fun. It's not... Too difficult, but it, it's serviceable. Then you have these like gold medallion special stages where I think they're on checkpoints. So you get 50 rings, you jump into a checkpoint, and you then go into what is essentially the Chaos Emerald stages from the original Sonic the Hedgehog. But instead of Chaos Emeralds, you're collecting these little medallions, which then you can use in the customization aspect of the multiplayer mode, which I haven't touched yet and I'm probably not going to because it's not really my cup of tea. So it's kind of pointless to collect these little gold things, but again, you're speeding through the level, you you come to these things at the checkpoint, because you can get it at every checkpoint as long as you have 50 rings, you can jump through, and it kind of, it halts your momentum. There's also these, like, Doctor Strange-esque portals that you can jump through, and they sort of transfer you to a different part of the level, but you're just, like, falling, and you can kind of collect the rings as you fall. If you've not played the game, you'll have no idea what I'm talking about here, but It's just another thing that adds to, okay, I want to try and run through the level. I want to try and get a high score and all that sort of stuff. But then it's like, well, I need to then stop and jump into these portals or jump into these special stages. And it just messes with the pacing of the levels. And I've not even got into the boss fights yet. And now I've not actually completed the game, but I am very much aware of the final zone boss, the, the fight versus Eggman. The fight versus Eggman, where apparently it's like five to seven minutes long and there's no checkpoints. In the various stages, and yeah, as far as boss design goes, I think they take too long to beat. (laughs) And it's not as fun as previous Sonic games, which is a huge shame. And when you actually collect the Chaos Emeralds, you get different powers, which I think in concept is cool. But when it comes to execution, you have to use the right thumbstick to then select the power and then press the X button on Xbox Series. Now, a lot of the time I I was selecting the power, but it wasn't actually responding to my inputs that well. It feels a little bit janky. And I think they could have completely like overhauled that system where maybe you press RB and X, assign it to a face button, and you get a power instead of making it the thumbstick. I don't know. It just feels counterintuitive to me like having it placed there. But it's just, it's a massive disappointment because I was looking forward to this game. And like I said last week, when I initially bought it, it was like it just an impulse buy at four o'clock in the morning when I couldn't get to sleep, which is what I do. I impulse buy things, as you very much know now. But yeah, when it, it, it came the next day, I tried to get into it. I tried to love it, but I don't think it's for me. It's Which is a shame. And I don't know whether or not I'm going to actually try to go and finish it because I don't know if I want to put myself through that but again i've paid the money for it i should probably get like my money's worth out of it but then again i could trade it into cx and probably get like 15 pound for it so i don't know as far as sonic goes yeah that's 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 my feelings on that game i'm not loving it i'm just very much indifferent which is kind of like the polar opposite opinion i have to pal world funnily enough like i thought i was going to go into that game not liking it and I ended up loving it, whereas Sonic, I thought I was going to like it, and yeah, no, I didn't. And I think the thing that compounds this issue even more so is that Super Mario Wonder just came out as well, and I played that And whilst preferring Sonic as like a character and Sonic's games overall. Super Mario Wonder is essentially doing the exact same thing that this Sonic is doing, going back to its roots and like embracing the 2D aspect, but Super Mario Wonder does it infinitely better like the level design is immaculate and the platforming and everything else the co-op is great in wonder whereas sonic it's not so much and i think that's just juxtaposes how bad sonic is compared to mario because nintendo just consistently like hit it out of the park with the mario franchise whereas sega and sonic are just i've been on a downward spiral since 2005 let's be honest that they have and it really really sucks, but it, again it just that's that's the way it is currently with Sonic. And if you're a fan of both of these games like Mario and Sonic and you haven't played either and you're on the fence about picking one of them up, I'd say go Mario all day. As a person who prefers Sonic to Mario, like I enjoyed Mario Wonder so so much more than Sonic Superstars and that's not even like a comparison. So I want to transition now to the the main topic of this week, which is Pokemon as a whole. Like I wanted to take the time and dedicate this episode to discussing my thoughts on Pokemon. And kind of with Palworld coming out, it seems like the, the perfect time. I know I did mention a little bit earlier on about like my feelings towards Pokemon and where it's going as a franchise. But I want to like take a deep dive into it now. And I can't remember if I mentioned it before, but what I am currently doing is this whole Pokedex quest with the imminent shutdown of the Nintendo 3DS Online Services, where I think Pokemon Bank is going to be affected. So you're not going to be able to transfer your Pokemon from 3DS games all the way up to Switch games like you can currently. I think that shutdown's in April. So what I decided to do was kind of give myself this quest to not only replay the Pokemon games, but to... Complete the Pokédex, but with the stipulation that all of the Pokémon that are in my Pokémon Home Living Dex have to be captured or from their original generation, their original region. So, for example, Cyndaquil, if I have Cyndaquil in my Pokémon Home Living Dex, when you click on it, it'll say the this Pokémon was caught in the Hoenn region, let's just say that is kind of going against what I want my decks to be. So I would have to have a Cyndaquil from the Johto region, which is the region that it originated from. Now, when I started this, I didn't think it would be as big of a task as I initially, like, thought, because I do have, I do currently have a living decks in my Pokemon home, but a lot of that was caught on, like, Omega Ruby, Pokemon X and Y, like, Pokemon Sword and Shield, like, once the DLC all came out, but... Actually, going back and playing these games to then capture the Pokemon that I need to fill out the decks. There's quite a long list of Pokemon that I actually need. And mainly it was like Generation 2, Generation 5, and Generation 7, which are the games that you can't physically get on the Nintendo Switch system. So I thought, right, I'm going to make a list of all the Pokemon that I need per generation and go through the games on a generational basis. So I originally started with Pokemon Ultra Moon because That's the game I'm probably least familiar with in all of the, like, the Pokemon franchise. And I got quite far into it, but it kind of just fell off for me a little bit, which I know is kind of, like, against the the whole point of the challenge. But I then moved on to Pokemon Omega Ruby, which is Generation 3, my favorite Pokemon generation, if you didn't know that already. And I, like, blitzed through that game. I think I beat it in 12 hours and captured some of the Pokemon that I needed from Generation 3. I think I've got, like, seven or eight Pokemon that I still need because the thing is, I initially played through that game back in, like, 2020 and transferred all of my Pokemon from that to the the living decks that I had in Pokemon Home. God, the word Pokemon's just losing all meaning. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I did all that, and then I... Decided I wanted to play through generation five as well, which I did. I played through Pokemon Black, the original one, did all that, completed it all, and unlocked the ability to transfer Pokemon from Gen 4 up to Gen 5, which is then you can move into Pokemon Transporter, which then goes in a bank. But it's it's a long process, that whole thing of if you have Pokemon Soul Silver and you want to get that to Pokemon Home. It's very convoluted. You have to do this little mini game to transfer them to Gen 5. And then you have to do the whole Pokemon transporter and uh, Pokemon bank and then transfer them from bank to home. And it's it's a it's a whole entire thing. So, yeah, I kind of underestimated this whole process. And I don't know if I'm actually physically going to be able to complete this challenge by April. I do know that there is potential for Pokemon bank to actually stay active after this time. But I do think that the online services for the 3DS Pokemon games are shutting down no matter what. So, like, you wouldn't be able to go on and wonder trade a Pokemon on Pokemon Moon or Pokemon X, for example, which kind of limits certain Pokemon which can be caught in various, like, specific games. So so I have Pokemon X currently, but if I needed a Pokemon that is exclusive to Pokemon Y, I wouldn't be able to get that unless i was to buy pokemon y which i might end up doing to kind of circumvent this like scenario from happening but yeah the whole reason this challenge came about was just because i do have a very big physical collection of pokemon games that i've just amassed over the years because i decided like i'm gonna buy them all and i'm gonna keep them because i i went through this whole like scenario of buying them selling them getting rid and all that but like yeah i've now physically got all of the generations pretty much and before the eShop shut down I went on both Pokemon Yellow and I bought Pokemon Crystal to have that generation 1 and 2 on the 3DS as well and the latest game that I've just like completed the Elite Four on is Pokemon Crystal and I really enjoyed playing through this it's my first actual time playing through generation 2 in its like original form because I I did have Pokemon Red and Yellow when I was a kid, but I never actually had Gold, Silver or Crystal. So yeah, I, I figured Generation 2, there's a giant gap in my living decks for Pokemon from this region that need to be in there. So I thought I'd tackle that one next. And that's what I've been doing like at a nighttime. I've been just lying in bed when I'm unable to sleep, just then putting the, the 3DS on and playing Pokemon Crystal. And I managed to get through it quite quickly. But then it comes to the the task of having to capture the Pokemon that are needed. And a very big flaw with these games is that the breeding takes so, so, so long to do. And it's very tedious and daunting and kind of soul destroying. And what I've been doing for this, like you get an Eevee early on in the game, but to have both Espeon and Umbreon, you need two Eevees. So I decided to do that through the breeding and... Number one, it takes ages for the Ditto and Eevee to breed to give you an egg. And number two, it takes so, so long for you to actually walk the steps required to hatch the Pokemon. So that's kind of slowing my progress down a little bit. And what I was actually doing last night was trying to catch the legendary beasts. So initially I was trying to go for Raikou. And the way you do it is because they're like roaming legendaries, it's kind of random at where they're going to be appearing. So you kind of do this Max Repel trick and go back and forth through the roots. And I was doing it for about half an hour yesterday and I had no luck. And it's just soul destroying and just thinking that I need to do that. And then again, catch all these Pokemon native to the region. It's looking less and less likely that I'm going to actually be able to finish this challenge, which is a shame. I am still going to pursue it, but I'm going to, kind of pace myself and not go as hard as I have been because I'm kind of getting a little bit burnt out on Pokemon as a whole which is funny because I'm now playing Palworld at the same time like I mentioned and just seeing the, the the juxtaposition between the types of games that they are is just hilarious to me I don't know so yeah I'm gonna try and not put as much pressure on myself to get this task done But we'll see. I will try and keep you updated with my progress on the whole thing. And fingers crossed, fingers crossed, I can manage to actually do this. It would be nice if I had a partner who liked to play Pokemon with me and then we could kind of do it together and take turns and stuff like that. But alas, alas, my wife likes to play Animal Crossing at the minute. She's back into that, which is great because she's sat there playing on the Switch whilst I'm playing on the 3DS and it's just like good times all around. And I think that's a good point to segue into, like, where Pokemon is at in terms of, like, the franchise games. As of right now, the the next Pokemon game hasn't been announced. I have been slowly working through the DLC for Pokemon Scarlet. It's not really, like, captured me in a way that I hoped it would. It's kind of just there, and I'm sort of forcing myself to play through it, which isn't great, but it is what it is. I paid, like, 30 quid for it or whatever it was, so... Yeah, I want want to try and get that done. So I think with that, we'll transition into, like, the Pokemon franchise as, like, a whole and where it's going to be going in the future. And as of recording this, like, nothing has been announced in terms of games coming out. Like, the next big Pokemon release that's going to be out. But I just wanted to, like, give my take on it. Because I think there's so much potential with what Pokemon could do. And again, it's, it's hard to imagine them actually doing like the best they could possibly do with the franchise now the biggest thing on my list is having the original game boy games available on switch it's blowing my mind how you can't already do this like with virtual console again it's you had the pokemon yellows and reds and blue and gold silver and crystal all on 3ds virtual console now why Can't you do that on Switch? And also, why can't you get, like, Pokemon Leaf Green, Pokemon Fire Red, Pokemon Emerald on, like, this Game Boy Advance version of the Virtual Console? It's just blowing my mind. Like, the amount of money that people would pay to have these games readily available on Switch is just insane, and I can't wrap my head around why Nintendo hasn't done this already. It's crazy. Now, I understand with the Nintendo 3DS releases... You have the dual screen aspect of it, which won't translate well to Switch. But for the Game Boy games, they've got no excuse. Like, why isn't this a thing? Please, Nintendo, just release these games on Virtual Console for Switch. It's just, it's a no-brainer. If the Switch 2 does come out, hopefully, like, this is a thing for that console. But again, I just, I can't see it happening because why hasn't it happened already? And that's a big aspect which affects like the completion of this quest that I'm trying to do with the whole Pokemon from their generation thing, because Gen 7, Gen 2, Gen 5 are not available on the Nintendo Switch ecosystem, so it's physically impossible, and when this Pokemon Bang thing does happen and does shut down, it's going to be physically impossible to do this, and it just sucks. There's going to be certain Pokemon that are locked to these systems forever, and It's all well and good having like Pokemon on your save files. But what about those people who have Pokemon locked to the system now who want to transfer it up and want to, say, keep their starter from Pokemon Omega Ruby, but can't do that now? I know there's been plenty of time to actually do it, but taking away the option just sucks. And I don't think that's the right move. But alas, it is what it is. And as far as the next, like, major release, like, I can see it being black and white remakes. Like, that seems to be the most logical step. I know a lot of people are saying Let's Go Johto should be a thing, but I don't think they should continue that Let's Go model of game because, again, it's aimed very much at younger players. And whilst a lot of people did enjoy Let's Go Pikachu, like, I'm currently playing it with my daughter now, and it's it's great for that. As far as, like, an actual Pokemon game goes I didn't really click with the mechanics of having new of not having like wild Pokemon battles and all that sort of thing and that let's go game was very much a tie-in with Pokemon Go like that is just a fact and I can't see them like continuing that franchise alongside Pokemon Go because Pokemon Go's like fallen off massively over the last few years and rightly so because that game sucks now too but yeah I, I, I can't see them doing let's go Johto let's go whatever it may be well it would be good to get a Johto remake. I think what my ideal scenario would be with that game and it's very much coming from my first experience with that region and it's not Heart Gold Soul Silver. It's actually Pokemon Shiny Gold X which is a ROM hack of Leaf Green Fire Red but it takes place in the Johto region. It is Pokemon Silver and Gold like it's well it's Pokemon Gold. And I believe Shiny Gold X is the harder version of the the two ROM hacks available, and this is, in my opinion, the definitive way to play Generation Two. It features all of the Pokemon in Fire Red Leaf Green, which is great. You have Gen Three in there, but it also like has this just baseline version of these GBA games, which are the best pokemon games to date in my opinion having that baseline to work off of and expand upon that in that generation i'm not sure if the rom hack is actually finished yet um or if it ever did get finished but i can remember playing this game just falling in love with generation two and it's funny because a lot of people say that generation two is one of the worst generations but in my opinion Playing Shiny Gold X, having that extra level of challenge is was great. And just experiencing that generation for the first time in the Fire Red Leaf Green like engine was just immaculate. And it would just be insane if Game Freak were then to make an old school style pixel art Pokemon game with the sprites and all that, but with a generation that hasn't been done. And I think like the chances of that happening are pretty much slim and non. but i am just putting it out there it would be it would be pretty cool and as far as generation ten goes, I don't see them committing to that just yet. I think they'll do the whole round of remake spin offs, whatever it may be before they then commit to having to design another like fifty to hundred pokemon as well and it would be interesting to see the legend series continue with that gen five theme if they do continue to do what they did with Shine and Pearl and Legends Arceus, where they release the remake first and then release the like spin off game straight afterwards. I think that would be good to like tie it in. We're very much all due a Gen 5 remake at this point. And I'm hoping for a lot of people's sakes, it's not as chibi esque as Shining Pearl and Brilliant Diamond because there was some backlash to that one, wasn't there? And I think Generation 5 deserves to have a serious art style because the story is very much. The peak of Pokemon, and it's very much the most like sophisticated story there is. And I know we're talking about a children's monster collection game here, but when you strip back the layers of Gen 5 and the story that's present there, it's very deep and very, like, kind of asks the existential questions. And I think that's why people love Generation 5 so much, is because it broke the mold of storytelling within the Pokemon franchise. And the remake has to do that justice, and the art style has to reflect the tone of the game i think but again it's whether or not nintendo and game freak want to pour the resources into making that right which i don't see happening i think they're just going to cash in on it like they did with the gen 4 remakes and it it would be a shame but it's better than nothing i'd take a chibi style gen 5 remake over not having a remake at all because again that gives people the option to play this generation who don't have Nintendo DSs and who want to transfer their Pokemon into Pokemon Home because come April you're potentially not going to be able to do that, which sucks. And I guess that's the the main issue that I have with the franchise. It just seems like they're spinning their wheels and just pumping out these subpar, mediocre games that don't really live up to the expectations and the hype that fans have of the franchise. And yes, people will defend the games until the day that they die because that's just the case with many fandoms but when you look at the state of scarlet and violet and how buggy and just lazy that 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 game is it's it's a shame because again this is the biggest franchise in the world like The amount of money that they could invest into this is insane, but they they just continue to pump out subpar products, which is just very much on the opposite spectrum of, like, a Zelda and a Mario, the other two big tentpole Nintendo franchises. And you just think, if Nintendo are so protective of their IP, why don't they come down a little bit harder on Game Freak and actually, like, help them out? Hire more individuals to work on the game? Like, give them the funds and the time that they need to make a great Pokemon game? because we as fans haven't had that in a long time and i know that's debatable some people may argue with that but for me it started going downhill at generation six and it's never really reached the height of what it has been which is a massive shame because yeah i did enjoy pokemon sword i have enjoyed other switch pokemon games but we, we haven't really got that killer game for the franchise yet and it's it's just it's a massive shame and i keep coming back to that And a lot of people are saying, well, Palworld's out now, they've got competition. But in reality, that's not the case. I don't think Game Freak and Nintendo aren't worried about Palworld because that's going to be its flavor of the week sort of game. It's going to die off eventually and Pokemon is going to remain king and it will always be king because of the claws that it's got into the fan base. And again, I'm very much part of the problem here, but it's going to sell regardless. It's going to sell well regardless. And... I think we can only remain optimistic and hopeful, but looking at like the history of what the franchise has put out, maybe it's naive to think like that, but I don't know. It's a little bit of a bummer, really. And I've been ranting about Pokemon for a long time, but this is what this episode was meant to be. It was meant to be my just thought dumping of the franchise. What I want to do mention is the, the Pokemon cards aspect of it as well, because I, I was banging into the Pokemon cards for a little bit, and I did actually crack a, my first booster box. It was Paradox Rift. I got a few pulls. I think 36 packs are present in the booster boxes. Yeah, I got I got a few pulls. got... Nothing major, and I don't think, like, in terms of monetary value, if I was to resell the cards that I pulled, it wouldn't total to the amount that I paid, because it was like £96 with a discount code on one of those websites, um, but the next set that's coming out, which coincidentally is on my birthday, January 26th, is Paldean Fates, and I... Pre-ordered this set from Pokemon Center. I pre-ordered in Elite Trainer Box back in either September or October. When it came out, I was still in the midst of my Pokemon card hype, and I completely forgot that I pre-ordered it, and the money came out at the start of this week, and I was like, oh, well, I guess I'm getting Paldean Fates. They've got a lot of shiny Pokemon in the set so it might be fun to open but (laughs) I don't know I've kind of fell off my collecting because I was doing that whole thing of trying to assemble the Pokedex in card form which I got very close to doing but again it just kind of fell off and this is what I do I go through phases of being super into the Pokemon franchise and then I kind of fall off it a little bit and then maybe in a few years time I'll be back into it so I'm going to try and keep all the cards but I I am definitely going to not be purchasing like the big sets coming out. It was a little bit different with 151 because it was insane like having that nostalgia hit and everyone was just banging into it. But in terms of Pokemon cards going forward, I think the sets for the Scarlet and Violet era besides 151 have been trash. Like there's not really been that one big card where I've looked at and thought, oh, I really need to pull that or oh, I really need to purchase that. And it's it's not really been as fun as, say, Crown Zenith, which was the final set in the Sword and Shield era, but that set was just really fun to open because the pull rates were amazing and, like, the different sort of cards you could get. With the Galarian Gallery cards and all that, it, it, it was fun and it didn't feel like a waste of money, whereas now I'm kind of, after especially paying almost £100 for a booster bundle of 36 packs, I'm kind of, like, over it. I kind of got it out of my system a little bit. And I think that kind of reflects the whole franchise and like on the game side of things as well, because it seems as though they're just in like autopilot mode and that's kind of transitioned over to the card aspect too. And all they can really do is play on the nostalgia because I know this may be controversial, but who really cares about the new Pokemon? I I, I couldn't even name like over 50% of them, to be honest, and... It's just gotten to that point where it's, again, just treading water at this point. And as a fan, it's pretty like bad to see, you know. But yeah, I think that's going to be it for this week. I'm going to start winding it down now because I think I've talked your ear off about Pokemon and Palworld and Sonic Four more than enough time now. But um, (laughs) yeah, it it was just a little one-off this week where I just wanted to discuss that. As you know, I like to ramble here and just talk about what I've been playing, what's on my mind and all that sort of stuff. But yeah, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Um, I'm not sure if I'm going to have a guest on next week. I might try and arrange something, but I guess you'll find out next week. Anyway, if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can do so at Dan J Durkin and you can follow the podcast at P underscore A underscore P underscore podcast. And yeah, make sure you like rate us on Spotify and iTunes and all that good stuff. It really helps the pot out. And it's very like encouraging to see people leave five star reviews on Spotify. Like it's very nice. And I really appreciate everyone who's done that so far. So thank you for that. And yeah, as always, I have been Dan and I will catch you in the next one.